conversation. Hi, my name is John Ross. I asked my dad if I could be a part of the show, and all he did was give me this to read. Welcome to the Always Believe in You show with your host, Damon K. Ross. Please enjoy the show. Good afternoon, good evening, or good morning, depending on where you are in the world. You are listening to the Always Believe in You show right here on 21.6 The Net, your daily dose of encouragement. The Always Believe in You show is a show dedicated to helping those that work with youth and young adults by providing them with inspiration, motivation, education, and resources to help them better reach those students that they work with. Today, I'm going to dive right into the show because I have an exciting interview that I want you guys to hear. Mr. Lauren Michaels Harris, who is an author, speaker, advocate, recording artist, coach, and mentor. And you also may have seen one of his video clips from a speech on Goldcast. Goldcast. Goldcast is a company that will take snippets from different speeches given by some pretty phenomenal people and they will show that all over the internet. And Lauren Michaels Harris is one of those people who they saw something in a speech that he gave and said that they had to use it. So phenomenal individual and just a great interview. A lot of powerful information. He has a great story and he shares that. So I really want to get into that. So I'm going to dive right into my youth of the week, which is a young man by the name of Luis Fernando Cruz. Uh, This article that I saw that I found was on Huffington Post and it was part of the YSA series, which is Youth Service America. And Luis is a young man who lived in an impoverished nation or an impoverished part of the country of Honduras. And he wanted to be an inventor and and an innovator. And he wasn't quite sure what he wanted to do, but he was had a, a mindset of being an entrepreneur. So with that, he was able to move to Colorado where he saw someone with a disability. And that's where he got his idea of what he could do to help those that suffer from disabilities. And he wanted to do something that was really not only beneficial, but inexpensive for those that needed the service. So what he did was he created something to help with the eyes, something, uh, 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 apparatus uh, called the iBoard. And, you know, not only did he create it, he put the code out there for people to use so they could either give it to someone as a gift or develop it for themselves. So it's a great article. Again, like I said, I go to Huffington Post. The name of the article is On the Verge of Success. And again, it's just really great and fantastic finding these stories of these young people who are doing some wonderful things to impact their communities. And in some cases, not just their community, but impact the whole world. And so again, for those of you listening out there, if you have any stories of any youth and young adults that are in your community that are doing something significant, 
to help the community or that have overcome some great challenge or overcome some great fear to do something that they never thought they could do, please share those stories with me. You can find me on Facebook, uh, Damon K. Ross, or you can go to the page for the show, which is Always Believe in You. You can find me on Instagram at Damon K. Ross or at abiyshow.com. You can email me, Damon at DamonKRoss.com. Or email me for the show at A-B-I-Y. This young man show. here, uh, Nicholas Miazakowski. Did I pronounce that correctly? Oh, uh, yes, you did. You okay. did good. All right. This uh, young man has an amazing inspirational story. His whole family, um, he was diagnosed at 10 years old with a brain tumor. Um, a lot of people did not have bets on him making it. He, he went through a lot of tough times and fooled everybody. And sits here now. He is not only uh, ten years older. He is an entrepreneur. Uh, he is a inspirational speaker. He's uh, all the things I dream to be. I'm <laughs> 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 um, not quite there, but I'm still trying. And uh, we're just so glad to have him and, and let him share his story uh, with us today. So welcome, Nicholas, and thank you for being here today. Hey, thank you so much for inviting me over here. And we are, again. I, I heard a little bit of your story. We both did yesterday. So let's kind of let's kind of start at the beginning, beginning, if you don't mind. Tell us. Sure. And again, I know we're talking. You were you were ten years old at the time, and right. and uh, so these are not things a ten year old ever expects to hear. So yeah. tell us how yeah. how things got started for you with this. So um, when I was ten years old, I was first diagnosed with cancer. The I had a stage four brain cancer. Okay. It's called uh, medulloblastoma mm -hmm. for my medulloblastoma people out there. Sure. Um, and really, I knew what cancer was when I was younger because my older sister also has had suffered from uh, a brain cancer earlier on in her life. Okay. So I was aware of what it was. But when I first heard those words, you have cancer, Nick, from my surgeon, mm -hmm. I really didn't know how to feel. I sure, was just so sure. overwhelmed. And I mean, as a 10 year old kid, mm -hmm. I was thinking, what's going to be next for Nick? Right. Yeah. Right. No, I, I can, I can only imagine. I mean, I found out at 55, I could not imagine at 10. Yeah, so, so where that, it's and, like, I didn't know what to say or do. I right. Right. Let's be in 10 years old. And, and for those of you listening and watching out there, we, we have Nicholas's mother, Edith here, who didn't want yes. to be on camera and that's okay. But She's a huge part of this story as well, so we may just talk around the camera for a yeah, bit anyway. Yes. Anyway, Nicholas, so so what was your treatment like? What how what happened from Nicholas, you have cancer to the next stage? Okay. So what happened next was the very next day after getting my diagnosis, I was told to I was told that they're gonna operate on me. They're gonna remove the cancer from my head. And um, this operation lasted, I believe, about 12 hours. Okay. So it was a pretty intense uh, sure. brain surgery. And really, after all of that, I really had no idea what was going on. I truly woke up maybe two weeks after my surgery. And I was just so confused because I had all these IV lines sticking in me right. all over my body. And really, I was just so confused what's really going on. Mm -hmm. And um, after my whole initial surgery, I lost my ability to really walk again by myself. 
Okay. I was in a wheelchair because I lost my balance. My uh, brain tumor was located at um at the part of the brainstem, at the back end of the brainstem, mm -hmm. okay. where the brain basically controls the balance of the body. Sure. So I was basically in a chair for pretty much all of my treatment and for some times uh, after my treatment. Okay. Did they did they think you would get the ability uh, to walk back? Did, were they you know hopeful of that or were they were uh, hoping? But they were were they basically saying we don't want you to get your hopes up too much because more than likely you won't be able to walk or is that basically what they were telling you at that y time? Yeah, basically, basically it was the. Oh, maybe you'll walk again. Maybe you won't. Maybe you'll survive for this long. Maybe you won't. You know, <laughs> a ten-year-old child uh, <laughs> having to hear that. I, I I can't even imagine. I'm trying to yeah, understand. Yeah, at ten years old, you're supposed to be playing baseball and yeah, hanging out, yes. right? How this mm. would affect you know how how to even comprehend what was going on. You it seems like even at that young age, you had a fairly good comprehension of what was going on because of the experience of being with your sister, even though you were pretty young when your sister was going through that oh yeah um it, we uh, we've always said even those little children five six seven years old may not know the specifics but they can feel the dynamics of what's going on they know somebody's sick and yeah. the family's upset they can feel it uh, yeah exactly yeah. and then to have a, a doctors tell you this is you have it yourself and then <laughs> basically two weeks in a induced coma <laughs> pretty much right 10 days uh, and to wake up to that as a 10 year old child and looking around seeing all this around you um, <laughs> how did you even get past without screaming? Where the <laughs> am I? Um, you know, you know, how did you handle it? Was was it because mom or somebody was there in in the rooms and everything that that you could latch onto at least see? Yeah, and the well, the reason I'm alive, of course, is because of my parents. They were the first caregivers of mine in yeah. my life, and in the very beginning, I mean, how I got through it, well. I'll tell you that I was extremely depressed. And I mean, as a 10 year old kid, <sighs> depression is just, it, it, kids shouldn't be Again, experiencing yes. depression. Right. And then I had a lot of um, suicidal thoughts yeah. through my chemotherapy because, you know, I didn't want to go through it anymore. But sure. my parents, um, they try to keep me as positive as possible meaning that uh, they would do anything to really get my mind off of mm -hmm. all the pain that's going on. So sure. showing me things like uh, dumb movies <laughs> and to really take my mind off of it, you know? Yes, exactly. Keep it staying yeah. busy is the the busy is the best thing you can do. Right, that and laughter, I'm sure. I, I was just going to say, uh, laughter did, you know, you, you sit there and you, after you, the initial shock of, okay, I've got to go through this. Uh, that humor has to come into it sometime. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, there's nothing else to do but laugh about it because it can't get much worse. Right, yeah. Uh, right. Did humor play in it all very much? I, I'm still trying to, I'm sure Tom is trying to get my head around how a 10-year-old even comprehends and, and uh, I couldn't, deals I, with this. I couldn't even imagine. You know, mm. I couldn't even imagine. But, yeah, I mean, and let me, you know, on, on that note, and, and uh, again, I understand the depression, the chemo thing, because at yeah. some point we all go through it. Yeah. So, my question is, when you what? When did you get to a point saying, you know what? All right, I'm going to make it. I'm going to be all right. Yes. And well, what did what did that day look like for you? Okay, so when 
I started realizing that everything is going to be okay. I think it was sometimes maybe during my fifth or sixth chemo. Okay. So I, w I had to go through nine rounds of chemo. Sure. And this took mm -hmm. like a year and a half time. Mm -hmm. But um, maybe like halfway through is when I realized that, you know what? I've already made it halfway through this whole thing. Right. So why can't I make it through the rest? And really, that's when star things started to really become more hopeful. Okay, okay. And, and you know, again, and I'm just, I'm just thinking out loud because I'm sitting here looking at Edith, <laughs> knowing exactly how much input she had to get to go to put yes. you to this point. Mm. Uh, and we're going to get her to answer a question here. Yes. She just doesn't know it yet. <laughs> yes. um, a big part of this. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but how, you know, for me, and, and that's why I'm asking you because you went through it so much younger than I did. Right. For me, when I got through, and I fortunately only had to have, uh, I don't know, a handful of chemos. And the farther I got into it, the worse I felt. I, I actually yeah. got to the point after yes. the fourth or, or what third or fourth where I'm like, ah, I don't want to do this it's no that more. Residual yeah. effect right. from it. So when you reach that point of saying, Okay, I'm halfway through, I'm gonna make it the rest of the way, how liberating and how how does it change your outlook? How does it take you from I'm a cancer patient and I don't know if I even want to go any farther to yeah, okay, you know what? I'm going to be a cancer winner on this deal, mm -hmm. and this is how I feel now. Right. So instead of the word winner, mm -hmm. I kind of pictured myself being like a champion instead. Sure. Because champions are kind of cooler. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> yep. Good. But all um, depends on your age. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I totally. <laughs> but um, really, throughout my treatment, throughout half my treatment, I've gotten so much you know of that chemo pumped into me mm -hmm. i've got so many of those pokes you know from the port line to your heart yep and uh like billions and billions of shots and everything and really you kind of get used to it mm -hmm. and really you're kind of you're sort of like impervious to pain in a way right mm -hmm. And I just your tolerance gets much higher. I'm sure of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. My tolerance to pain really got a lot more higher, mm -hmm. and really, I, I just started believing that. Okay, well, if I'm already used to what's going on right now, then why can't I get used to what's going to happen for the rest of my treatment? Okay, okay. Yeah, and that's that's a great statement, right yes there. Yes, it I is. Like yes, it is. If I can deal with what I've already dealt with. What's to say I can't deal with what's coming? Right. Yeah, right, exactly. And and at this point, I'm going to move just a, just a sidestep for a second. And and Edith, I'm going to ask you to join us for <laughs> just a couple of quick questions, please. Um, and, and again, because you are a huge part of this story, making some quick stage changes here. Bear with us, folks. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> Okay. All right. All right. Very good. And and I promise I'll make this quick. I, like I say, <laughs> you your story needs to be heard as well. Okay. So, I mean, the amount of, of, of pride you must have right now to see not one but two kids make it through, I'm sure is huge. But yeah. let's take you back just a second, and I don't want to make you relive anything, but it is very rare that you hear about two children in the same family. So... Tell me kind of what your thoughts were, what your feelings were at the time. Uh, when Nick was diagnosed or? 
through the, the through having to l go through it a second time, even the, the first time. time. Right. Yeah. How far apart were um, they? The Nick was ten years old. Samantha was at that time five years old. Okay. So <laughs> within a five-year span, you've gone through it twice. Right. Okay. How how does that how did that affect you? Um. <laughs> This is a huge effect on a family. I'm sure, I'm sure. Very, very huge. But uh, this news uh, when Nick was diagnosed was uh, one of the worst things that the parent went to Absolutely, hear. absolutely. You, another mm. child has a brain tumor. Right. And um, Samantha also had a brain tumor, different kind, mm -hmm. but the brain tumor. Sure. And um, when Nick was diagnosed, I... I realized when when he had a surgery, actually, this time when he had a surgery that was 12-hour surgery, and they were so, so, so long. Oh, sure, <laughs> sure. And I realized that um, if you're afraid of something in your life, uh, that will happen anyway, because I was afraid to have another sick child sure. like Sam. Mm -hmm. I, I, w I didn't pray to God, uh, I want to, God, please make uh, i mean do an anything right to right to of course be my child healthy right i was praying i don't want a sick child right and the universe just heard the sick child and there you go boom we have another one <laughs> okay <laughs> so now but i was aware of that you know I, w I was thinking about everything and i realized okay if this is that powerful I got something that nobody wants to have it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I will handle it because we can turn around and turn in a positive way. Sure, mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. So we did everything. That was really, really hard time, mm -hmm. really tough time for our family, whole family. Sure. And uh, that next survive, we put everything positive in, in right. him. Right. I never ever let him, you know, think to the wrong things, bad things. I know he went through depression and everything. That was the, the toughest time sure. uh, mm. when he doesn't want to live anymore and uh, probably don't remember much, you know, from that time. Mm -hmm. But uh, we put a lot of effort with I'm my sure. husband. I'm uh, sure. You know, uh, both of our children will live. Right. And they are. Samantha is 27. Mm -hmm. She's with a special needs. She's blessing from the God. Right, right. <laughs> this is the best child what the parent can have. <laughs> right, right. We don't know what is her message yet, but we will find it anyway. Of course. Sooner or later. Oh, yeah. And then Nick, he's a miracle. So. Right. And, I, and I have, I've got one more question again, because I know I kind of coerced you into this. <laughs> <laughs> However, I can tell the dynamic from the two of you sitting right here how much of a champion you are to Nicholas, so and, the, and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So my question is, and I know it had to be an impossible feat, but tell us how you were able to, within your own fear of your, you know, your, the survival of your children, how you were able to keep them on track and positive. What did you have to do to reach down and say, all right, I'm scared, but they're never going to know it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> This is a really good question <laughs> because except two of my children, my husband, is mm -hmm. all, he, he was always afraid of everything that something, you know, that Nick won't survive, that Samantha will someday hurt herself very, very bad sure. and uh, we won't be able to, you know, re have her back. 
understand. Yes. So uh, how I did, you know, honestly, I don't know. Uh, every single day when I open my eyes, I said, okay, thanks God, I'm here. <laughs> sure, sure. And um, I, the most of the time I feed myself with positive uh, things. Mm -hmm. I read positive uh, books. Okay. I, I read a lot of books about uh, positive thinking and mm -hmm. how they affect your life. Okay. I um, fired the people who were negative from our life, and that was the best decision what we made. Sure, <laughs> sure. Because if you hear on a daily basis, you know, all those questions, all those negative things, you won't be able to handle, you know, the, the, mm. the day, right, actually. Right. Because every day is a fight. Uh, you don't know if we're going to survive next day. We don't know what's going to happen over the night. Because there were many, many nights that we were <sighs> aware that we might lose Nick. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, if you're hearing on a daily basis, okay, oh, poor you, poor you. Oh, how you handle it. I don't, I don't need don't to Don't have time that. for that. No. Right, right. I need to hear that things, everything will be okay. And you will go through this. Mm -hmm. And even if those uh, things were like impossible, I believe in that. Right. So this is the most important thing, believe in the things mm -hmm. even if they are impossible. Sure. Anything can happen. You bet it can. And, uh, like what faith is. Believing yeah. in what's yeah. what, what can be. Right. Believe mm. that it will be. Right. So Until proven wrong. So yeah. What you do. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So that's, that's helped me, you know, go through <laughs> And that's <laughs> and that's great. And that's and I and I thank you. I, I know you came in and you're like, I don't want to do this. I'm no, no, I, I appreciate you. I appreciate you jumping in and helping us. We didn't know uh, about the whole, uh, you know, scenario how you sure. did, guys. Sure. So I, I'm more than happy to share my Good. story because now um, I finally got to the point that um, I also can be helpful for the caregivers mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. and give them a hope. Absolutely. Uh, for many, many years. The unsung heroes. Yeah. The unsung heroes. Yeah. yeah. We've done a show that's just completely about caregivers because yeah. of the importance of that role. Oh, yeah. It's probably the most important role yeah. in the cancer fight. Right. Even more so than the patients. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pose the same question to you, Nicholas. You, you heard what I'd ask your mom. Okay. So tell me, as the patient, and how, how much influence your mom had getting you to the point of, getting you to the point from, I don't know about this, to you know what? It's going to be okay. How did that happen? How did what role did your mom play besides the obvious one? But what did she do? What what did she do that every day said, "Okay, I got a little more in me now." Well, she started acting more in a positive, okay, kind of way, and really, I think that's what's really started it all. Because I mean, us kids, I mean, we absorb basically everything like a sponge right so like a sponge i was absorbing that positivity despite what's going on mm -hmm. and i think that's what really helped okay that, that's and that's that's a great answer are we on mm -hmm. there Kid. Uh, not yet. okay hang on equipment change <laughs> Um, okay. That positive thinking that you talked about, mm. uh, we know that that's something that's real, that does affect 
the outcome sometimes. Right. Um, just having that mental attitude. I've known people, and that's one of the main things they say is keeping that positive attitude yeah. is what makes things happen. If you just sit back and go, well, I hope they happen, but I don't know if they will or not, guess what? They probably won't. Yeah. It's that, it's that visualization of seeing what yes. can be in your mind and believing it, that mm-hmm. positive attitude. And you're absolutely right. That does keep you motivated and inspired to keep going to the next day, to keep fighting, to keep yeah. going on. Because yeah. you know what? Remembering that uh, this this fear in inside of me uh, don't have another child sick. I remember this feeling, and when we went through uh, his chemo, and we had a bad day, you know, I was okay. Eat it, really? You want to happen again? You know the bad things. You have a power to change in a different way. So, you know, I just switch my mind. It's it's hard to do that, but sure uh, it is. you know, it you put it yes, practice, mm-hmm. uh, just put the reminders on the walls, you know, put mm-hmm. the notes for yourself everywhere right. that everything's going to be fine and yeah. you will see your son start start walking and everything, uh, you know. A lot of people think that's silly to think like that and yeah. talk like that, mm-hmm. but right. most of us have been through something like this understand the power of that oh, yeah. yeah and when that when you really need that that is a true tool that we can have is that power of, of positivity yeah yeah and I'm glad that you touched on that because that is a very powerful tool in this fight and everybody out there needs to uh, hear that right to stay as positive as you can in this yeah. fight yeah well and that's the thing and you know you don't have to look very far to find negative stuff I mean it's around us it, it is absolutely the easiest thing to do is mm-hmm. to go around thinking negatively because mm-hmm. you're bombarded with it every mm-hmm. day. It really is difficult to change that. You know, you you really have to say, okay, I'm not letting that kind of stuff in anymore. I'm yeah. done thinking yeah. about it. And if you have to put reminders up to that, there's nothing wrong with that because it doesn't become a habit till you've done it for a while. Yeah. So anyway, there's my there's that my take on it. Computer that believes whatever you tell it. Right. Yeah. If I tell it things are going to go wrong, guess what? It's going to lead will. you to the wrong mm-hmm. thing. Yep. Tell it that something positive, it's going to believe you. Definitely. Um, I, I think now I'd like to touch on uh, is what you're doing now. I want to I want to I want to get to that in just a second. Ahead, I want to get to my favorite part of this story, okay. and then we'll we'll break for uh, our uh, paying some bills, and then we're to come back to and 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 that's where we want to go next. But okay. my favorite part of your story that you had told us. And this is one I told you I was going to harp on a little bit because I really want to hear this, yeah. and people need to hear this. Of course. You told me you made a decision one day while you were in your wheelchair, and you said, that's it, I want out of this damn thing, and you did it. So tell me two things. When you made that decision, what went on in your head? And then next, once that decision was made, how'd you make it so? Okay, so... The way this all happened, like I mentioned earlier on, um, after my surgery, wasn't able to walk in the chair. And um, the way it really happened was two things really started shifting in my head to really start believing that, hey, maybe I could do this and get out of this. Okay, what were those two shifts? So, number one, I was uh, sitting at home. And just looking out the window and seeing all the little kids uh, out there at the park playing around. Mm-hmm. And with all this pain that I was going through through my treatment, I was just so upset because I couldn't join them. So that was the first thing that really started triggering me. 
Right. And then the next thing is, well, I remember that during my treatment when I was feeling a little bit better, uh, my parents would take me to places like museums and zoos and stuff to keep me, you know, uh, engaged sure. engage with something. Right. Yeah, exactly. And um, I remember, like, uh, I was in my chair, we were in the museum, and there was this little boy with his mom. And the little boy turns to his mom, and he says, Mommy, why is that kid, why doesn't that kid have his uh, hair? Why can't he just grow it back? And why is he sitting in that chair? Can't he just stand up? Right. And really, that's what started, you know, that, that whole entire question started running across my head. Okay. Realizing that, huh. Why can't I stand up uh, from this chair? <laughs> sure. And really, that's what started this whole entire thing. Okay. And so I was really tired of just sitting around all the time. And I went to my physical therapist and I told her that I want to start walking again. Okay. And so she got me a walker. And once I received this walker, it was the hardest thing ever sure. because I was just so weak. Okay. To push the thing was just so hard. Okay. And to lift my legs, I mean, I I could guarantee you I fell over hundreds and hundreds of times. How oh, were you in the wheelchair before you decided to do that? Almost a year and a half. And um So I, you so you fell down, let's just only say a hundred times. <laughs> but you got up a hundred and one. Yeah. And there is the moral of the story. So exactly. please keep going. Yeah, but um, the thing I want to talk to everyone and the audience too about is that really in life we have two choices when we fall over. So we could fall down, stay down, and remain victims for the rest of our lives, mm -hmm. never get anywhere at any point. Or we can fall down, get back up again, no matter how hard it really could be. You need to shake it off and keep going forward. You need to concentrate on those goals and stay focused mm -hmm. and my goal was I want to start walking again so I did whatever it took in order to really get that going and well eventually I threw away the walker because I didn't need it I was getting stronger and stronger and well I started developing the attitude again that I was getting really tired of this so I threw away the walker. I said, I'm tired of feeling like that 80-year-old man inside the 12-year-old kid's body. Sure. And I started forcing myself to walk again. Okay. And well, 10 years later, or however many years now, long time, my walking is near perfect. Folks, we could end the show right here and accomplish <laughs> what we set out to do, but we're not done yet. No, I'm, I'm here amazed. <laughs> adults that I know might be able to tell that story sometime in their life and here you're doing all these things and thinking these grown up thoughts mm. at 10 and 12 years old um, it's just amazing and I, again we just want to thank you for being here today for, and sharing what you have gone through you, you, I'm sure at this point you understand how powerful and inspiring that your story is to other people and that's oh, yeah. probably why you keep doing it to keep inspiring people <coughs> Else yes, I got one <laughs> last. I got one last question on that, and then we're going to move on after uh, we we, uh, we thank our sponsors. Tell me about the day that you threw the walker out. What did that day feel like? Oh man, that 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 really did feel good. Okay, but also, you know, I was feeling that little anxiety in my stomach 
Like, yeah, I'm getting rid of my security blanket. Yeah, what the see, heck am I gonna do? I was like, what the hell am I gonna? What What am I even doing here? Right. And really, I didn't know what was gonna be next. So but how? But how did it feel? How did it feel to feel to say, you know what? I said I was gonna do this. I did it, and I no longer need this damn walker. Well, I mean. I was looking back at my treatment and I was thinking that, hey, I almost went through this treatment where it looked very hopeless hundreds and hundreds of times. This is going to be like a cakewalk in a way mm-hmm. once I start developing that mental attitude that I could do right. it. Because physically it had to hurt like hell because, if, yeah. you know, if you are off your feet for a short period of time, let alone a year and a half or more, mm-hmm. there's no muscle. You got to start all over. Right. So you, there's oh, yeah. the muscle thing. There's the balance thing. So to go through all that, I mean, my hat's off to you. And that's why I, that, that's why I wanted to, to talk particularly about that. Yeah. So we're going to come back here in just a second. We're going to talk about what today looks like because your story is not even close to done yet. All right. Let's talk. To, let's let's thank a few of our sponsors. Uh, let's talk about Northern Illinois Window Services. They clean up one pane at a time. Uh, my friend Bill Thomas over there, give him a call. He's at 815-385-6646. Natural Therapy Wellness, we got their sign up there on the wall. Uh, massage uh, Therapy, Reflexology, Acupuncture. Uh, Mr. Peterson over there does cancer uh, uh, massage as well. Uh, they do a great job there. Give them a call at 815-385-8190. Uh, our friends over at Xtech, they keep the uh, electronics running here. Even when I come in here and try to break things, they know how to fix it. Uh, my friends George and Justin over there, give them a call. Um, and, of course, we are broadcasting here high from atop the Sticker Dude compound right here in down, beautiful downtown Johnsburg. They do everything from uh, vehicle wraps. Uh, they, can do your, uh, they can do your printing for posters. You name it. If there's a printing thing involved, they can help you with it. Uh, come out and give them a, uh, come out, visit them or give them a call at StickerDude.com. Uh, the sponsor for this show is uh, my company, 24-7 Credit Funding. If you have a business and you are trying to uh, scale it using your own personal credit, folks, you're doing it the wrong way. Give us a call at 815-669-5901. All right, that takes care of all of those things. Let's get back now. I'm going to turn the second part over to Robbie. Let's talk about what Nick, Nicholas is up to these days. Yes. Because I know those next few years of your teenage years had to be a whirlwind also. Oh, yeah. Um, we want to make sure that we promote what you're doing now in your life. But I wanted to ask real quick about when you were able to go back to school, let's say, and start. Mm-hmm. How, how are those years for you? Um, I know it's very difficult for other kids to understand when they're out doing everything and yeah. You don't have the energy. You might look great, but inside you're still tore up, and the fatigue is mm-hmm. bad. Was fatigue bad for you as a teenager? Um, oh yeah. How did you deal with that? Now, then we want to get into really the last half hour of what you're doing now. So, but touch on how that was growing up, basically. Right. After so, that. So after the whole, you know, uh, the treatment, the chemo, whatever. Um, I remember that uh, I was in uh, school in Chicago in, uh, I believe, sixth grade, and uh, I was still on my walker, and I remember all the kids loved me and accepted me for who I was, 
And then um, me and my parents have decided that now is the time to move. So we went to the Southwest suburb and uh, I started a new school, basically. So new school. Where, and where did you move, if you don't mind me asking? That's kind of my old stomping grounds. Oh, so, where? We went to Hickory Hills. Yeah, I lived in Hickory Hills till about six years ago when I moved here. Oh yeah, yes, know the area very well. <laughs> but um, anyways, um, when I started this new school, I looked completely different. I had my walker, and uh, I didn't mention this earlier, but my walker was painted in yellow, red, and blue because those are the colors that I really liked back then. And when I look back onto it. Those were like the tackiest colors <laughs> ever. But they were yours, so who cares? Yeah, exactly. Right. It, it, it got me more motivated to use that walker. But um, I looked different. I had the tacky walker. I was bigger because I was on steroids at that time. I didn't have hair, so you could see like a bunch of scars on my head. And well, frankly, all of the kids there, they hated me. And people bullied me. They harassed me said horrible things about me and every single day I would find empty classrooms to eat my lunch all by myself and that went on from seventh grade until early on in uh, eighth grade where I got rid of the walker that was the point where you know I threw it out into the garage I grew my hair out my hair was literally up to my shoulders so it was covering all of my scars and I released a lot of weight. I was really skinny again. And the ironic thing is that everybody loved me when I made that physical appearance you change. When I looked better, yeah. And, you know, it's really ironic, you know, how kids look at it that, you know, the people who look different, they treat them differently. It's really sickening, but I really believe in really educating kids and um, telling them about these things so they could be aware that it's okay that someone else looks different than everyone else. Well, it's easy to, if you, there's a stigma or something, or if you're fearful of something, to demonize it. Yeah. Or make it yeah. something bad when you're afraid of it and you don't understand it. Yeah. And like you said, you set, her, set about turning that around and that's why we do all of this is mm. to take that fear out of it. Yeah. People are more accepting and understanding of it. Yeah, of course. So, so when, and you know, and I understand exactly what you're what you're speaking of. So, what kept you going? What during that time was inside you say, you know what, these kids don't like me. What they do, I don't care because I've got bigger plans. Right. So, back to the positive mindset, of course. Mm -hmm. That um, okay. Well, hello. I just beat cancer basically and I was able to really get out of that wheelchair mm -hmm. and then I just kind of realized that hey I mean I could s feel sorry for myself that everyone hates me mm -hmm. or I could just care about what I think and keep my head up high and not even listen to what anyone is saying and then just focus on myself and focus on myself to get better sure and did it seem to you that when you got into that mindset, mm -hmm. all of a sudden people changed their attitude towards you? I wouldn't say back then they really did. I mean, from time to time, there was mm -hmm. a nice person who... But it bothered you far less. Me. Yeah, exactly. Right. 
And I really didn't want to be aware of what was going on around me with sure. people and everything. I just focused on myself. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And there's and it's uh, positive uh, way you were dealing with it. Right. Yeah. Well, it, that's you just you you just did what you had been being groomed for by your mom. Yeah. yeah. Eliminating those things that are negative. I ain't got time for that. Yeah. I, I don't care what you think. I, I'm not even looking at it. Yeah. And uh what also helped me back then was I started really learning about self-development, that kind of stuff, and reading books about that. Okay. And just positive books on positive mindset. And really, I just uh, relied on books and positive, uh, you know, movies and that kind of stuff. Just sure. mind-feeding myself and really just, you know, telling myself that it's going to be okay eventually. Sure, sure. And, and, I, and I like that. I mean, I'm, I'm a guy who reads a ridiculous amount of books. Yeah. So... If you could offer one or two books to our audience, to that person that is right now, uh, they're 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 going through this and they're at a they're at a crossroad. Yeah, they're at that crossroad where I think I'm going to be okay, but I don't know, or I don't know if I'm going to be okay. Maybe I could be. What would you suggest to them? What books would you say? You know what? Why don't you give this a shot? Okay, so I have three books I could really talk about briefly. So okay. what I read back then was when um, that one uh, motivational mindset movie came out, The Secret. Mm -hmm. So uh, back then I read uh, there was The Secret for Teens. Okay. It was like a spin-off book. Sure, sure. So that started changing my mindset. And then um, what I would recommend reading, I mean, what I read today okay. are similar books mm -hmm. but different and what I would recommend for others to read is um, one book I've just read called The Miracle Morning. Mm -hmm. How to really set up that uh, morning routine to be like a champion. So Th that revolves around gratitude. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. So Good I book. mean, through the through the book, they teach you um, the importance of you know affirmations, meditation. Yep. The importance of movement right in the morning, and then gratitude and then actually just journaling about your day mm -hmm. because that's very therapeutic and also looking back at like six months ago at your journal you're like wow right. I really grew right and then the final book I would say is a changer for me is uh it's called a course in miracles okay and this is originally a spiritual text okay but um you could really uh take it in however you want you don't have to be religious per se to read this book mm -hmm. Apply the principles to everyday yeah, life yeah exactly and um this book really just started challenging my mindset and started challenging me to think differently about literally everything that's going on okay yeah okay that's all great stuff there i mean just I, you know you could I, i'm going to talk to the two ball guys they uh, they're the guys who own this station you should spend some time on you should spend some time on their show as well because what you just talked about is what they talk about on a weekly basis but anyway move, moving past go ahead commend you on at your age to do what you've done and develop the mindset that you have takes some people decades to get anywhere near mastering and you already have a, an exceptional handle on it and I see nothing but great things in your life in in helping other people. Mm. You know, when success is just about us, it's not really success. Yeah. It's when we benefit others through what we do is when we're successful. And I can 
see that you've got a great handle on that already. Um, let's start talking about what you're doing now. And uh, Yes, because this is good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Briefly talk about how you guys got into, to, to, got into business together as a mom and a dad and a son and um, why you did that. And then start talking about uh, the nonprofit that you guys have. Okay. Okay. So, how, so you guys got into business together because of the health reasons, basically. Right. Yes. Right. Um, so I will start with the first two, then oh yeah. we'll go rest. <laughs> um, like I mentioned before, we start uh, the first our business is a cleaning service. We we clean the houses and offices. Mm -hmm. So that this business allow us uh, take care of uh, Samantha um, because when we came here to US. Uh, we, I was working during the day. My husband working was working at night, so we can switch. Edith, let me get you a little closer because people should hear this. Okay, and take care of the kids. So uh, that was the first business. Uh, you know, that was so cool that we can make a decision our about our job, and not uh, listen someone else, but uh, be able to create the time for our children. Time. Exactly, yeah. and uh, that was really also the the cleaning uh, was uh, allowing us to spend uh, time with Nick uh, in a hospital when he was um, on his treatment, and after the treatment, uh, when we were done with chemo and everything, uh, actually we, we that took us couple years <coughs> to figure it out what we gonna do next. Uh, we knew it that running the cleaning service is very hard and it's uh, really. It's a great business, but not that great, great. Sure. It still consumes a lot of time. Exactly. So uh, we figured out with my, with my husband that we uh, need to educate ourselves about uh, real estate investing. Okay. So we took uh, many classes on that. Um, but having in the mind, uh, when you have uh, two sick children, your budget is really tight. Sure it is. And if you have one. <laughs> and it's you really watching every single penny. Right. So uh, when we were taking uh, classes about the investing and I heard, you know, that we have to invest some money in my <laughs> back of my head was, okay, so what's going to happen if I'm going to lose? How are we going to survive then? Um, so until we took the mobile home classes about the mobile homes, the mobile homes are really cool think and it's really really low risk investment and high profit mm. so uh you know uh, that was that was uh the another business was born uh for children you know for their better future sure sure and then uh this is the, the mobile the mobile are we buying selling mobile homes uh most to the people who cannot afford the regular loans from the banks so we lend them the money and it's really awesome thing when you can provide those kind of services so especially with a lot of us getting older yes yes right yeah yeah and we are we are very successful with that and we create another business which is uh the coaching we helping people to get to the this business so uh tell them the name of the coaching uh, we are mobile home millionaires so like yeah, yeah we we helping we helping other people get well, you, you hold information sessions now also yourselves right teaching other people how to do right it. yeah we showed them the low risk and high profit opportunities of really 
implementing the mobile home business into their own lives. So you, you go in and buy mobile homes, rehab them, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. rent to own basically type thing? Yeah. Or rent to own, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we pledge them also for cash. Depends which yeah, deal sure. come first, but we prefer mm-hmm. rent to own because this is the way where we can make more money yeah. on monthly on cash homes. flow. And your family all works together on this business. Yes. That's right. All all the businesses we do all together. Yeah. Yeah, you said businesses, and I wanted to <laughs> make sure we got all of that in there. Uh, this young man does not sit still. <laughs> Boy, so as soon as he got out of that wheelchair, he's like, yeah, but I got to catch up for lost time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> so, you, so you started a mobile home business, you started a cleaning business, and you started a mobile home business, and you also now do a business teaching how to that's, do that. That's correct. That's true. Uh, how long have you been doing that, the teaching part of the, the seminars and things? For a little over a year, yeah. yeah educational content you know giving selling to people and really just showing them how to get involved into this business or how to really develop their skills in this business yeah we have a different uh different different uh, programs programs, yeah yes exactly that's great that you're doing it because that's helping other people not just because a lot of people can't afford a brick and mortar home yeah. Oh yeah. You know, uh, and a lot of people don't want that. I know myself. Getting older, I'm trying to minimize. I want a smaller. Yeah. Yeah. To take care mm-hmm. of. Uh, so that's two or three businesses right there. Uh, do you speak just about inspiring people? Because if you haven't yet, you should start doing that. Um, about overcoming cancer, and, and yeah. it's really about endurance. It's right. Enduring a lot more than we think we can. Yes. And you've obviously proved that you can endure quite a bit. Right. Um, Are you doing any of that yet, just in speaking and motivating? I I call it inspirational, not motivational. Right. When a story like yours is told. Um, Are you doing that yet? Are you doing that much? Yeah, as a a speaker, I talk about different topics. So, of course, the inspirational factor to it, because I know my story is very powerful and very influential, big influence towards other people whether they're going through cancer or a cancer survivor or if they have some sort of disability and they're listening or even if they're just regular people you know who are down and need to hear a positive message so i their disability is negativity (laughs) yeah exactly so i mean uh the way i look at it is i've come from the darkest region in my life but now i choose to really overcome it and be the light for other people who need that. So I do that, and then I educate people about the mobile homes, of course, through speaking. And then the last business that we have not gotten into is uh, our nonprofit, which is called Golden Wing Helping Hands. And what we do there is we do care packages for homeless people. And the packages include clothing items, toiletries, non-perishable foods, and letters of encouragement. And that is a topic that I also do speak about. Just yeah. <laughs> Just to <laughs> recap, for those of us who haven't been keeping score, I want us to recap the last oh, 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> this young man diagnosed with a brain tumor at 10. Mom is going through it the second time with her mm-hmm. second child. Flash forward a few years to I don't want to be in this wheelchair anymore. Kicks the wheelchair to the curb, 
joins forces with mom to start not one, but four businesses, the last one being a nonprofit to give back to people that are less fortunate. Did I miss anything? <laughs> you got pretty much everything. <laughs> I'm just blown away that at your age that you're accomplishing this, and that in itself should be an inspiration to many, many people mm. with nothing wrong with them other than not being willing to put themselves out there and take a chance in life. Right. Yeah, we call that lazy-itis. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and just that you have, you're a perfect example of what we try to have this show about is if we're fortunate enough to live past this thing, what are mm. we doing with our time, mm. and who are we helping with what we do? Oh yeah. Talk some more about your nonprofit. How, how did you get started? What what just what made you decide to go that venue to help homeless people? Because there's so many needs out there as there is. Oh yeah. So um, the way it all started was uh, well, once upon a time, mom was scrolling through Facebook and found a blog of a lady doing blessing bags. And, well, I was pretty immature back then. And I said, boy, that name kind of sucks. I could do it better. And <laughs> really, I just wanted to start helping people, other people. I mean, I've helped people throughout high school, you know, volunteering. And I really enjoy doing all of that. But I thought that, okay, maybe we could start this as kind of like a family tradition, a new family tradition. And um, really why originally I wanted to start helping homeless people is because, well, I was talking earlier about how kids treated me and other people treated me when I had cancer. Many, not only uh, kids and friends, but, you know, uh, adults and people in my life really overlooked me. They ignored me and they didn't want anything to do with my life. So, um... Go ahead, please. So, uh, back then, I just kind of, I mean, I could just sort of resonate with homeless people and homelessness because, I mean, we go on the streets of Chicago and you see the homeless man on the streets and uh, typically our reaction is we look the complete opposite direction, ignoring right. this man. And that's really how I felt back then. Sure. And... I'm thinking that I just don't want other people experiencing what I have back then. And that's really why I started, you know, developing that heart to help homeless people. Sure, le uh, like they were less than us, so let's look down upon them. Yeah. Uh, at what wise old age did you decide to go into that? Has that been fairly recently, you said, or how long have you been doing this program? Uh, so we've started this tradition in 2015, so I believe I was 19. <laughs> what? 2016. 2016? Oh. So either way, I was fairly <laughs> young. <laughs> yeah. And, um, really... You're, you're only young in body, believe me. Yeah. You're very wise and old in uh, mind and spirit. You know, sometimes I feel much younger than I actually am and sometimes I feel so much older than I actually am yeah. I I'm 22 but yet I still feel like I'm 16 yep. a part of me and then a part of me feels like I'm like 70 years old well <laughs> you, you've experienced <laughs> what a 70 year old man might experience in his life <laughs> right if he lived to that age and you've done that in 20 years basically yeah I'm just kind of looking at the comments real quick and uh, Rachel Prasinski Sellers that'd be my wife it says you are both awesome. Thank and you. And yes. she means that. Thank you, Rachel. She means that. 
How many how many of these care packages are you getting out now? Okay. And I'm going to tell you why I asked that question in just a minute. Okay. So the very first year, 2015 or 2016, whichever year it was, we did 25 of these. And then we were so fueled up with really giving, you know, these amazing experiences to homeless people. Mm -hmm. I mean, when they received the care packages, they're like little kids on Christmas morning. Yes, yes. And it was just so magical. And that magic fueled us to create 350 of these the following year. And then after that occurrence of that, all of that awesome magic and the positive yeah. energy that we were giving to other people, well, about nine months later, one of my babies was, my baby was born. And well, hold on, it's not that kind of baby, okay? <laughs> Golden Wing Helping Hands was created and since starting this organization, we have done a total of 1,297 care packages. It's incredible. Now, do you, anybody who knows the, uh, the the story of Tony Robbins, anybody familiar with how he yep. started? Mm -mm. Um, I, I could let you look it up where we can just tell good, the story. Good, he started out before he was Tony Robbins and everybody yep. knew who he was with a plan to feed some families on Thanksgiving yeah. because his childhood there was never enough food there was yeah. not food at all one year the uh, the community helped provide and uh, from that point the last number I heard that he's done this every year we're talking 30 some years now he is over 30,000 families that he feeds on Thanksgiving wow. the numbers you just reeled off to me put you on that actually put you at a higher pace than yes. that in 30 years yes. so the the this is just the type of stuff that this the, the whole reason this show exists yes. is to let people know that we're not done yet man we That's just right. got cancer if we endured yeah. it and lived through it right and here's a what can we do for others and oh you're yeah. a perfect example of taking that time that we've all been given and making it mean something to somebody else and like i said we're not right. successful in life until what we do affects others in a positive way and you're obviously doing that in every <laughs> aspect of your life. Um, I know uh, Dad isn't getting a whole lot of uh, mention, probably because he's busy working all the time. Uh, right. But I'm sure he had a big hand in this. Just oh yeah. Just uh, sub just supplying for you and keep you know a, a lot of times one of the spouses, one of the parents doesn't get a lot of recognition because somebody's still got to be there to pay the bills and yeah you know and a lot of times they miss out on. Uh, and a lot of times there can be a lot of guilt with that. And we just want your dad to know that he should be very proud of yeah. the family that he's created uh, with your mom and the things that you've been able to do and the mm -hmm. impact that you're making on not lives in the future, but lives you've already touched at such a young age, 22 years old, to do everything Unreal. that you've done. Uh, you're just blowing these two old timers away, let me tell <laughs> you. Um, we've both struggled through our lives to tr to try to affect people that is positives as we can and cancer has been a big help ha helping hand in that allowing yeah. us to do that and uh for you to take on that responsibility and at such an early age a lot of kids would have said you know what i made it i'm gonna go have fun and do what's fun to me yeah and you didn't want that you wanted it to mean something other than just being about you mm -hmm. and you've definitely proven that that's possible um we're getting close to wrapping up time in another five minutes and we just wanted to thank uh, both of you for being here today. 
Thank you. Go ahead. Go over again and promote what you do. Promote your businesses. Promote your nonprofit real quick and let people know if they want to contact you how they can do that. Okay. So for these last couple of minutes, I just want to say that if you want to help us bring even more hope to homeless individuals on the streets of Chicago, 